This is Alex Massa, and you're listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Bob Nolly. Yes, they are. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, you found your way back, and I'm so happy you did. Welcome to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. This is a big day. This is a big day. I have spoken here so many times about in the in the hiring cycle, when you get down through all the hundreds of inquiries you get, and you find a fistful of people that have the technical qualifications, and they've all interviewed well, more often than not, I, I try to, I may just give the nod to a person with a liberal arts degree rather than somebody that has an IS degree or a marketing degree or something like that. And lo and behold, as you all know, just a few weeks ago, our guest today wrote a post on LinkedIn that is entitled, Five Reasons Liberal Arts Degrees Aren't Completely Useless. Audrey Lacker, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing great. How is life down in Texas? It is hot. <laughs> it is hot. Well, it's August and yeah. it's going to be that way. I yeah, bet. it's, it's So warm. right now, tell the folks what you're doing. You're interning at Dell right now, right? So I actually just finished that up last week um, and then picked up everything and moved back to College Station for my final semester at the Texas A&M MBA program. Aggie, Aggie. Mm-hmm. Whoop. And everybody's excited now because I think next weekend's the big weekend there. The big week, like football wise? Football wise, yes. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't really follow it. I just go for the tailgate. You've so. got to go. That's right. You know, here in the South, uh, well, you're in the South, my goodness. Mm-hmm. But here, here in Virginia, you know, we, it's NASCAR country here. And so many folks are fans. And here's my little bit of coaching for people that aren't NASCAR fans. All you have to do is have a favorite, know what their number is, because people always just ask, what's your number? And if you're like your Jeff Gordon fan, you go, I like the 24 car. You don't go, I like number 24. You go, I like the 24 car. That's how you say that. And then you have to know where they're racing next weekend. So when you're at the water cooler, you can just go, yeah, the boys are in Bristol next weekend. (laughs) And you're and you're in like Seriously, Flint, so you know you've got to go to the football game down there because all of Texas is like that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I. Go. I'm surprised you don't have to go to some high school game somewhere for a high school that you've never even heard of before, because high school oh, football true. is just as big. So, what was your experience at Dell like this summer? What did you work on, and what what's that place like? It was it's enormous. Um, <laughs> that company is so big, and um, so this summer I worked for a the digital marketing technology department. My department was specifically called, and this is kind of a long name, the Global Experience Design and Automation Group. And so we had to deal with marketing automation online and reaching customers through the internet and that sort of stuff. And so my project had to do with digital body language, which is a way to analyze customers' behavior online. And it was highly technical, and I had no idea what I was doing when I first started (laughs) But now you're an expert. Matt, of course, sir. Uh, subject matter expert is me now. Um, yeah, I had to 
I didn't even know what marketing automation was when I started in June. And then now I can talk about it intelligently. So that's good. And I'll give you a chance to do just that. So what, what does consumer behavior online look like? How do you qualify that? Um, there are so many different ways. So digital body language means, um, it's your behavior. So it's, it's your browse behavior. So how often you go to a website, how many layers deep you go on it. Like if you're looking at a specific product or if you're just looking at a couple different topics or how long you spend looking at, um, a particular product, all that information gives us insight into what you're interested in. And so we're trying to figure out a way to leverage that information to provide a more personalized customer experience. And so all the internet marketers that care about the bounce rate like it's the holy grail that's just the surface item for you guys you all are looking at it much more i'm sure right and the, and the bounce rate is something that we would be able to um affect by providing more personalized content so theoretically you know if if you're being served up informa- information and content that you're much more interested in and that are specifically relevant to your needs then you're going to spend more time on that page Wow. So is it your hope to get back there after graduation or what are your plans? Do you know? I hope so. I'm very interested in in tech marketing and especially the stuff that I was working on this summer was extremely interesting and innovative. Um, So it's definitely something I would want to work on again. Um, So this this semester, I don't I only have like one class, so I'll also be looking around and seeing what else is out there. But I would definitely like to go back. One class. Wow. Are you that far (laughs) ahead of the game? Um, so A&M has a, um, an accelerated program. So the first year was very, very intense. I see. Yeah, it was four quarters. So, um, you can imagine just the intensity of finance classes that way. And they do that so that in our final semester, because we graduate in December, that we have a lighter schedule and we're able to interview more. Uh, that's great. Uh, where's home for you? I'm from Houston. Okay. So yeah. you didn't have to travel far to land where you landed at this point. No. So I do want to ask you about this. I mean, when you go through your life, particularly at the tender young age at which you are, <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very important, I think, to at least recognize the forks in the road that are passing, where you could make another choice in a career to spend more time to intern somewhere else or even major in something else or even something as small as take this class instead of that class and realize that, yeah, there goes a fork in the road. That's an opportunity I'm just going to say no to right now. So when you first started in school and, you know, well, the first job, really, you were you were in media, right? Mm-hmm. So you were at Columbia. And even though the music industry has been turned on its head over the last decade. What was, what was working there like? Because in terms of the old days, if not today, Columbia is the label. Right. So what was that like there? Um, it was a great experience. It was also a very intense experience. As you can imagine, I was there for three years, uh, right after it was kind of in the middle of the economic downturn, Um, so there were a lot of layoffs constantly, especially just entertainment wide, um, you know, every year or every two times a year, people would be laid off. So the people that you were working with wouldn't be there anymore. And so you'd have to figure that out. But in terms of the job itself, I worked in music videos and I coordinated, uh, not the production side, but the communication, the label side. So, 
I was talking to artists, like A-list artists and their management teams, as well as producers and directors of the music videos. And then on top of that, making sure that all of our executives were on board. So for a 23-year-old. Wow, that's in the middle of it. Yeah. So you want to drop a name there? Who's who's the coolest person you got to work with? You know, I have to say um, John Mayer was really surprisingly awesome. I wasn't really a fan of his uh, before I worked with him. And then I he was just the easiest person to work with. And he's huge. Um, but he was just so easygoing and open to schedule changes. And then I met him in person a couple times and he was so nice. And uh, remember my name. He's just he was just a really nice professional. Don't guy. that go a long way? Somebody remembers your name. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially with how many people that they, they meet. Oh, sure. And I know in the past at least, artists always to get that Columbia logo on your label, to get that little that little thing that looks like an R. <laughs> and I don't know who designed it, but you know, all the way back to Columbia Masterworks and those lines there, that is a huge deal. So, you know, that's a that's a big thing to put on your resume there. Uh, you also did you go to China to do some work? I did. I did. Um, so through our uh, MBA program, actually, we have an opportunity to study abroad for a couple weeks before we start our internship. So I chose to go to China. It's called the Doing Business in China program. And it was with the Guanhua School of Management over at Peking University in Beijing. And it was incredible. I'd actually never been outside of the country before. So that was my first experience in a foreign country and I was there for about three weeks. And so I visited Hong Kong and Beijing and Xi'an, which is where the terracotta warriors are. Yeah. And Shanghai. So it was incredible. Yeah, that's a big leap. I mean, you know, that's not like going to the UK for your first trip no. abroad. No, although we did. I did start in Hong Kong, which is kind of like going to the UK. Okay. Everything was in English. It was so easy to get around. My, uh, my son, Robert, who's been on the show for the Father's Day episode here, uh, my brother, for his... Uh, college graduation took him on a trip to China for a couple of weeks and saw the terracotta warriors and did the great wall and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert came back and he said, back then, this was about 10 years ago. He mm-hmm. said, when you're a Westerner, everybody comes up to you and wants to learn something hip from you. <laughs> you know, they want to talk about Michael Jackson or, you know, something. They're just so into the Western culture there. Did you find that or is that past? Um, they didn't so much want to know about what was trendy for me because they seem to have their own stuff that they're into, but I did get stared at all the time. It was kind of nice landing back in the United States <laughs> so that people weren't just constantly watching what I was doing just because it's, it's obvious that you're not from around there. <laughs> oh, come on. You're pretty easy on the eyes. I'm looking at your LinkedIn picture. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that was all, all there too. Uh, so let's let's get back and talk about the, the mm-hmm. article you mentioned here about the liberal arts degree. Uh, you're in the MBA program there now, <laughs> but your liberal arts degree was in film? Film, yeah. And I actually um, had a minor in art and photography. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. there's a Renaissance woman in the making right here. It's <laughs> not already done. So you make the point in the article about doing your homework. Mm-hmm. Why, why would that be important to somebody? So, uh, the, the thing that I kind of was thinking about when I was doing that was I would have to go to drinks meetings basically multiple times a week when I worked in entertainment just to build up my network. And then especially when I was looking for a job 
you want to be doing that before you're even on the job market. And what I would have to do is look up what these people are doing, maybe some of their work, um, maybe particular projects that they've been working on. I wanted to make sure that I'd read the books that they were maybe developing. If they were in development, for example, I would want to know what they were talking about. Or the example I gave in my article was about knowing a particular video game or what was going on in that industry. And the video game I picked was awesome, but it wasn't the most awesome of that year. In fact, it was like two years old. So it's important to know what you're talking about when you go to speak to somebody, because that's, that's the impression that you're going to give them. I mean, are you up on your stuff? Like, are they going to want to recommend you to somebody else further down the line? Are they going to want to help you out later? You need to be able to present yourself professionally and know what you're talking about. Yeah, that skill right there of being able to connect in the moment is is lots of times a hit or miss proposition. But the internal wiring and value set you have and your experiences can equip you to do that a bit more agilely than somebody that might just kind of bumble through the whole encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing your audience and having opinions. In, in the beginning there, you know, whether you're in Columbia or even when you were in China or elsewhere, did you have trouble like opening your mouth and pushing the good stuff out? <laughs> you mean knowing my opinions? Yes. <laughs> no, I've never had a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. a very opinionated person. And especially for film nerds, um, if you ever, if you're a film nerd yourself, then you know, or if you know any, they always are sharing their opinion on what the latest movie was and how it wasn't very good and they could do better. And just, it's, it's a whole industry and culture based around having an opinion on something. And so, especially in entertainment, it was extremely relevant because you were being judged constantly on what you thought. And so you needed to always have an opinion about everything, which meant that you needed to watch everything on television. You had to go to the movies constantly. You had to be reading and you had to have an opinion on it because that's that's kind of how beyond who you who you worked for or who you know what you thought of something was also a way that people would judge you and you really have to know it you know we've talked about this earlier on the program where people will mention a book like Ryan Levesque's ask i'm just going to pull that one out of the cloud and people will be aware of it they've heard the title because they're standing in the middle of the social media but they haven't read it Mm-hmm. So then somebody else will go on and try to engage them in the concepts that he puts forward. And you're there going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and there's a difference between having read it or having seen it in terms of the film and just having been aware of it. Right. And that, that starts to be a big differentiator today, I think. You know, my wife and I, we're big film buffs as well. She looks at them now boy, I hope she never hears this. Well, that's going to happen. <laughs> she looks at them now for the pure entertainment value, which is just wonderful. But we'll be sitting there on the couch, you know, we just run the on-demand bill up through the roof and we'll be watching something and, you know, you could hang me out to dry in this conversation. But <laughs> I would, you know, I'll just go, look how they shot that. That's horrible. <laughs> and it's not a, you know, it's not a continuation issues, but I think they could have they could have shot from this angle instead. I mean, who shot this? And then the movie's over and she's in tears because it's a great story. And I'm going, that was a great edit. That was a really <laughs> great edit. Yeah, so, that's you know. kind of the, 
the curse of being familiar with film, I think, is that you're like, what, what was that edited about? Yeah. That was awkward. So <laughs> I, I went to school at Virginia here in the East, and at the time, they didn't have a film program. And uh, boy, the drama department's going to call me and hang me out to drive. That's not the case now. So that was a fork in the road to me. So when I talk to people such as yourself that have been to film school, I'm going, yeah, oh, that felt good. That felt <laughs> good. Uh, the number one thing you listed in the article is the need to hustle. Mm-hmm. Does that just mean to be quick and responsive? What did you mean by hustle? So what I meant by hustle, that's kind of what we call the number of things actually out in LA was um, the first time I heard it actually was somebody was talking about, you got to get your side hustle up, which is, you know, you, you have your day job, but then you also have the stuff that you're working on on the side to, which will often result eventually in um, hopefully a, a change in your career or actually getting to do what you want to do uh, because you don't really move up by just being an assistant and that's all you're doing, you need to also have stuff going on on the sides that people can see what you can do. So sometimes for people that was also working on a YouTube channel or something, um, and a lot of people found opportunities that way because people saw what they were working on. So that's side hustle. And then the regular hustle is just, you just got to constantly be working. And I've been trying to find this balance between hustling and keeping that stuff going, working on things on the side, um, and, you know, at work meeting everybody possible and trying to talk to people in different departments, but then also striking a balance between that and just relaxing. So hustle is a very, it's actually the name of my blog. Now, um, I moved my LinkedIn pulse stuff over to hustleblog.com and, um, because it's, it's just a really interesting concept. It means different things to different people, but yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's not just the speed at which you're going. It's, that you're constantly at least working on something in the background. Oh, that's a nice looking page there. Well done. Oh, thanks. Good stuff. Well, ever since this article that we picked up, the liberal arts degrees, you've posted like, you know, three or four other things, at least on mm-hmm. LinkedIn as well, and like do's and don'ts of the hustle. But you have one here that says, don't get comfortable. Yeah. What's the message there? So that one had to do with getting stuck in, I called it the dip. It's you just kind of hit a wall at some point, especially if you're trying to hustle or if you're doing a side hustle, um, you're, you're going to hit a wall or even just at work, you're going to get burned out. Um, you're not going to think that you can go any further. And the thing is there, it's okay to take a break and to allow yourself to, you know, to hit that wall and to relax and then take a, take a moment to consider reconnect, um, and rediscover what, what you truly want to do, but you need to keep going after that. So you can't just stay in that comfort zone sitting on your couch because that's all you're going to end up doing for the rest of your life. And if that's what you want, that's fine. But if it's not, then you need to make sure that you don't stay sitting on your laurels there. Thus endeth the lesson. So well <laughs> said. So well said. When, when we have folks that have been through the wars on here, I ask them, if you could get a freshly minted MBA in your hands, what would be your leadership message to them now? But now I'm going to ask you something with a little bit of a twist. Mm -hmm. If you could turn around and look at all the undergrads or even the underclass MBA students that are coming out, what would be your message to them? Looking at your breadth of experience and the life lessons you've learned so far as they relate to leadership, what is your message to them? To undergrads? To whomever, whatever audience you choose. Hmm, probably the undergrads. I think my biggest thing is I was always told to follow my dreams. And 
I don't think that that's very practical. I think that you got to follow your skill set and find a way because your dream can end up being something that you're just really good at doing and you can find a job following your skills and then you'll, you'll enjoy that work because you're good at it and you enjoy doing it. And then you can work on your dreams on the weekend or something. That's, that's a very realistic, you know, some people would jump on that and going, don't follow your dreams. That's cynical. That is not cynical at all. That's Mm -hmm. a realistic way to get to your dreams. I think applause, applause to you there. That's great. Audrey, this will be the highlight of the day. You know what this means. You've been on the program, so now you're in co-host status as well, so you can come back anytime. We'd love to have you. Oh, great. Yeah, I'd love to be back on. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. Audrey, if folks want to reach out to you and contact you, are you on the Twitter? How can they hit you? I am. I'm on the Twitter sphere, or whatever they call that now, um, as Leckard. That's my last name with an E-D at the end. Okay, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. I'll put the link to your new blog up there, too, if that's okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you again for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. Audrey, welcome back anytime. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. Well, that was a great interview and a lot of insights for somebody that at the tender young age of the early 20s has been to China and gone to film school and is now emerging with an MBA and having done an internship at Dell and lots of lessons learned there, including just how important a liberal arts degree can be. Everyone out there, take care of one another. We'll see you next time.